0: Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to the rare petro podcast. And if you're tuned in on YouTube, thank you very much. Good to see you again. And you're definitely going to enjoy this episode much more than the people who are just listening because you will get to see the visuals and all the fun stuff that pops out throughout the episode. Now that's not to say those of you who are just listening, you're fine, but you'll definitely want to navigate to youtube.com and search for rare petro. Because like I mentioned, there's lots of stuff you're missing out on if you're only listening to it, but I'll try to keep that self promo to a minimum and get on with today's episode, which we'll be covering a rather historical figure in oil and gas, Dr. Sam Gibbs. Now, if you recognize him, well done, you're a smart cookie. But if you're like me and didn't know who it was, and it was the first time you heard the name, that's a okay as we will spend the rest of this episode breaking down his contributions to the industry. Welcome to another episode of Hydrocarbon History. Everyone's gotta start somewhere, and Sam Gibbs started in Lufkin, Texas after being born in 1932. The city was home to Lufkin Industries, which specialized in manufacturing lots of different oil field equipment. He says that because of that, everyone in the area was pretty knowledgeable about the pumping unit business as everyone knew at least one person, family, friend, cousin, who was working for Lufkin Industries. He himself simply wanted to become a cattle roper, but his father pushed him to be more like his cousin who went to A&M to become an engineer. In a compromise, Sam agreed that he would go to A&M, but he would have to bring his roping horse along too. (laughs) So his father dropped him off at campus, rolled down his window, and said, become a mechanical engineer. So... Sam did. After graduating in 1954, he was drafted into the military as he avoided the Korean War while he was in school. To make up for it, he was stationed in Alaska as a computer operator in an anti-aircraft gun battery. It was at this time that the self-described mathematically illiterate Sam realized he had a love for the stars, but as he tried to toy with them more and more, he also realized he didn't have the mathematical abilities to be able to plot them correctly. So as soon as he got out of the army he buried himself in more books, got his math abilities to where they needed to be, and landed a job with the Shell Oil Company. It was a simple entry-level gig that many of us probably even worked where he would spend time in roughneck crews, work to maintain infrastructure, and sign his name at the bottom of dynamometer cards that he didn't quite understand. Now that word, dynamometer, it's very important to understand. Today we have Sam Gibbs to thank for his contributions, but more on that later. A dynamometer card plot at that time measured load and position in a way that allowed you to get a quick read on the pump efficiency. Take this card for instance. We have this bottom shape that is the pump card, everything happening downhole, and this top shape that is the surface card. On the card, we can see the system expand as the upstroke begins. From there, we see intake across the top where the standing valve of the pump opens to admit fluid into the system. The top right corner is representative of the top of the stroke, And from there, compression begins as we begin the downstroke. Once the standing valve reseats, we eventually encounter a pressure that displaces the traveling valve on top, allowing fluid to travel up and out, bringing us back to this bottom left corner. This is a very brief overview to give you a general idea of how the card works. Back then, you would typically just plot load versus stroke length, but thanks to Sam Gibbs, we can now plot both of those things with respect to time and This was just a brief little sort of introductory, if you will, to get you up to speed on these things. But if you'd like to understand more about how these cards work, I've linked a little short course below that Sam Gibbs even reached out to help correct himself. Now, back to the history. Shell ended up sending Sam back to school to study mathematics. And once he returned, he was part of a research team for rod pumping research. One of Sam's bosses, Bob McKinty, had a love for rod pumping and always fought hard to get funds for his research team at the time people weren't super impressed with rod pumps i mean it was perceived as an old outdated technology the chinese had been using it for hundreds if not thousands of years in a more rudimentary way to bring water out of wells and to the surface in the way that we do with oil still the program was able to receive a little bit of money and now sam was on the team with his fresh phd from rice university he hit the ground running working on different mathematical models using computers this laid the groundwork for the shell diagnostic technique which would later evolve into something incredibly revolutionary. Before that, though, things began to stagnate. At a time, Sam was the head of drilling research and was even later transferred to a management position, but he hated it. While he did like serving as a team lead to a bunch of mechanical engineers, much of his job was taking care of the region's vacation time scheduling and other seemingly mundane tasks. His ideas were receiving less and less attention and his research seemed to come to a halt. That's when he reevaluated his career. So he decided to take a teaching gig at the local university of texas austin while there he maintained his relationship with ken nolan an old colleague from shell they had the dream to improve the well diagnostic technique i mean at the time the best possible technique involved loading all of your instruments materials up into a truck going to a site mounting all the potentiometers and batteries and other instruments onto the well getting the data you needed getting back out to a landline, because remember, 1950s, 60s, no cell phones, calling in the data to the head company, someone there manually transcribing it, punching it into a computer card sheet, and then running it through a mainframe computer just to call you back so you could give your client the answers. While the results were just absolutely mind-blowing, so was the amount of labor that went into all the testing. (laughs) There was no real commercial use because it would be way too costly to send out that whole team to conduct all of this work on a single well. Same one to use his diagnostic technique that he started research on with Shell in order to bring computers straight to the site, run the test, and immediately hand over a card with data to the customer. He called up his old friend at Shell, Ken Nolan, told him about his new company, Nabla Corporation, and asked if he was interested. Ken said yes, so they started the next chapter of their careers. The reasoning for choosing the name Nabla for his company is nothing short of genius and captivating, so I'll put a short screenshot here for you to pause and read should you be interested. According to HP, their computers had been mounted to planes before, but never on bumpy service roads in the back of a truck. So Sam, Ken, and their big old computer were quite literally blazing new trails. At the start, they were renting out the program materials from Shell because it technically was still their proprietary knowledge. But They never actually patented it, so Sam decided to publish the Wave Equation Design Program research paper with SPE, which allowed him the right to reproduce at his own company. NABLA continued to grow from there and even began research into the new territory of deviated wells. After testing a well for a customer, Sam was able to report that the motor was kicking out because the rod was rubbing up against the tubing, causing too big of a load, and of course the motor would stop. With that evidence, the operator was able to sue the drilling contractor to redo the well correctly with fewer deviations. Sam couldn't quite get that idea out of his head after it happened, so he worked really hard to develop a deviated version of his wave equation predictive program, which had afforded him a 12-year jumpstart, or more appropriately, monopoly. Now he could advise companies on how to access oil reservoirs that could not be accessed vertically, like stuff underneath lakes or even... Under residential areas, and eventually laid the groundwork for horizontal well technology, another one of his massive contributions to industry. From there, Sam and Ken began to get much older, but they still had a few tricks up their sleeves. One of those was the development of a pump off controller based on his previous work with downhole pump cards. They called it the pump card monitor, or PCM, and it sold like hotcakes. Eventually, at about 65 and 63 years old, Sam and Ken sold their company to his hometown company, Lufkin, who, in turn, created a new division for automation and well controls. They improved the PCM's design and sold it as the Sam Well Manager. Now that computers have become faster, smaller, and cheaper, you don't need to ask Sam and Ken to drive out to the site. You simply need a single Sam Well Manager computer per unit, and it would work in almost any environment. Even today, it's still one of the world's, if not the best-selling control devices for rod-pumped wells. A true modernization of the oil field. Sound familiar? (laughs) Sadly, Dr. Sam Gibbs passed away in 2019. By then, he was a man of many patents and an impactful legacy. People all over the world are still using his ideas today to push the boundaries of petroleum engineering and mathematics and physics even further. He was an incredibly bright man who will be remembered for a long time thanks to his contributions to the industry. Still, makes you wonder who will be the next inventor to revolutionize tech in the way that he had. But that's the end of this episode. Do you have any historical figures we should analyze for hydrocarbon history? Maybe you'd like a segment on Red Adair and his firefighting techniques. I mean, whatever it is, go ahead and just send us a quick email to podcast at rarepetro.com. And we just might turn your idea into an episode. Always reading those YouTube comments too, so please keep interacting. love to do it, and I even like to respond to a few of them. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode so we could explore Dr. Sam Gibbs' modernization of the oil field. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody.